Second Peter, amen. I think uh, all is well back there. Uh, I think uh, I, I, if I'm not, if I'm hearing this right, I think uh, we're just hearing the noise of, of joy. <laughs> amen. Second Peter, Second Peter, we're going to look at, <clears throat> start at verse number five. But while you're getting that, let us go ahead and pray. Father God, in the authority of the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather on this morning. Father, we pray let revelation knowledge flow freely, unchecked and uninterrupted by any satanic or demonic force. I pray, Lord, that you would indeed speak through my vocal cords and think through my mind. I pray, Lord, none of me and all of you. I pray for articulation of your heart, for the gifts of the spirit to be in operation and to be in manifestation on this morning. We thank you, Lord, that we have ears to receive what you have for us on this morning. And for everything that you'll do, Lord, we'll be careful to give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, everyone said, amen. Welcome my online uh, folks. Amen. Thank the Lord. Let's make this confession of our faith. Say, Father, I've come to receive revelation, wisdom, and understanding from your holy word. And I fully expect the Holy Spirit to bear witness with my spirit concerning revelation of the word and how to apply it in my life on a daily basis. I am a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Amen, amen, amen. Well, once again, welcome to church. Second Peter chapter number one. Second Peter chapter number one. We have been talking for the last little bit concerning this area of these eight ingredients for the formula for what we define as kingdom success. The kingdom formula for success. And so in a way of review, we're going to read a little bit this morning. So I'm going to be reading pretty rapidly. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter number 5. Once again, it says, and besides this, giving all diligence, he says, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance, he says, patience and to patience, godliness. Verse 7, and to godliness, brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness, charity. For he says, verse 8, if these things be in you and abound. They make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9. But he that lack of these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and has forgotten that he was purged from his, from his old sins. Verse number 10 says, Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if these things be in you, or these things, for if ye do these things, rather, ye shall never, never fall. Verse 11. For so, 
uh, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly unto the everlasting kingdom of our Lord Jesus and Savior, oh, I'm sorry, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 12, important. It says, wherefore, I will not ne be neglect to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. Why am I reading all of this? Because I want you to focus in on verse number 12 once again. That Peter is saying by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, I will not neglect to put you always in remembrance of these things. What things? These eight ingredients, these areas. Even though you may be established in them, you may be walking in them, but we understand the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we periodically will look at these from different perspectives because I'm going to be just like Peter in this regard and say, I'm no, I won't neglect to put you in remembrance of these things because these are the things that allow us to move into areas where we stop failing in life. So let's look once again at these eight ingredients. He says, number one, start with faith. He says, the next area is add virtue. And we talked about what that means. It means to add character. The next thing he says is essentially add knowledge. What is that? Spiritual understanding. And then he says, I want you to add to that self-control or alert discipline. I want you to operate in self-control or temperance, if you will. And then he says, from temperance, I want you to add this area of patience in your life, steadfastness in your life. And now he says, I want you to add this next area, which is add godliness. So by way of review, let's look at this. He essentially tells us here how we are to begin the process of growing spiritually. He says, start with basic faith. Start with basic faith. Lord, I believe you. I believe your agenda. I believe your identity for me. I believe that you love me. I believe in your promises. I start with very, very basic faith. And then he says, add to your basic faith. And the reason why we always emphasize faith is because everything rises and falls with what you believe. If you don't believe God loves you, then you're going to have a problem when he says add virtue because you're still struggling with whether or not God's for me, whether he loves me, what he's concerned about me. So we got to start once again with basic faith, faith in the love of God. Faith in what he calls you. He doesn't call you a sinner. He calls you a son and a daughter of the Most High, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So I have to begin to believe that before I move to the next area. So God always begins in this area saying, I need you to start with what we define as basic faith before he starts talking to you about making these behavioral changes. Before he starts doing these things saying, I need you to, as we've said before, sanctify yourself. He always says, I want to say first say, I love you first. I love you, and now I need for you to change and make some adjustments within your life so that you can see some of the things that I've been saying to you that's going to be in manifestation in your life. But you got to understand that who you are in the vision I showed you is very different than the person that you currently are. And if you walk by faith and take the steps, God will begin to develop you in this process of growth. Now, 
He says, start with basic faith. And the next area he says is, I want you to begin cultivating fruit, which is this area of behavioral changes. I want you to operate in love instead of operating in hate. I want you to operate in patience instead of being an impatient person. I want you to start operating in areas of, 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 of long suffering. I want you to be, become the person that I intended you to be. So I'm going to start saying, we need you to start separating and having some behavioral changes. And then he begins to say, the next thing that happens after you begin to making these changes, making these cultivation of fruit begin to manifest in your life, he says, I want to explain to you the whys, the understanding. Why are you doing what you're doing? Because Christians aren't supposed to just be blindly doing stuff, even though that's what a lot of Christians are doing. We're supposed to understand why it is that we're doing what we're doing, because that is how we grow, just like in the natural. When we have children, when they're small, we say, stop this, cut that out, put that away and all these kind of things. And we just talk to them very basic because they're kids. But as they grow up and their understanding, or if I can use the term, their capacity to understand begins to grow. Now he, now I can begin to say to my older child, this is why I say don't do this. Because what we're trying to cultivate in you is a good decision maker so that you can see what you're trying to go after in life. It's going to require making these adjustments. Their conversation begins to change the more you grow. And so he says, add knowledge or understanding the why there is the natural progression of your growth cycle. And then he says, when you begin to understand these things, now it's not going to be as much the Holy Ghost through your spirit is saying, cut this out, stop this. Now he's saying, I want you to start cutting things out by discipline. I want you, now that you understand the whys, now that you understand the reason why you shouldn't be doing this stuff, I want you to start employing areas of discipline, areas of self-control of your behavioral changes because you know why you're doing it. A lot of folks say they get this thing out of balance and that's the problem. They're trying to do self-control, but they don't understand the why. They don't understand the why because they don't understand that God loves them. And when all of those things are out of this proper place, then we have religion. Religion is the enemy of relationship. When you go on the journey of faith with God, he takes you by steps and stages through relationships so that you become better in the process. But when you skip a step and you're trying to employ areas of self-control, but you don't understand why, or when you're trying to operate by areas of faith, but you don't believe God loves you, then the order is messed up and the relationship falls apart. That's the problem with a lot of folks. They are never going to move beyond the elementary state of their Christianity and their walk with God because of the fact they haven't taken this journey. Basic faith, behavioral changes, understanding the why, and then employ self-control through this area of temperance. And then we saw the next area. He says right after that, I want you to employ this next area, patience, which is what? Stick to it. <laughs> Don't quit. What you're learning, your faith. What you're learning, these changes. What you're learning, understanding of these changes. What you're learning, employing the discipline or through temperance. He says, keep doing this. Keep at it. Don't you stop. Don't you quit. Let it become a muscle that begins to grow on the inside of you and you will really see spiritual growth. But now, he says, I have another area for you. 
He says, add godliness. Second Peter verse one, verse number six says, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness. To patience godliness. Now you look at it and you say, yeah, I say mine, reverend, godliness. But what is godliness? And that's what we're gonna talk about this morning. To godliness, the word godliness literally means piety towards God. It means piety towards God. Well, what is piety? It means a strong belief that is shown in the way someone lives. It is a strong belief that is shown, or we can say that it's displayed in the way someone lives. It's shown in your worship, but it's shown in your behavior as well. It is the way you do stuff. It's shown. Most folk got the worship part right. They come in, they know how to lift their hands, they know how to worship God at church. But the behavior part, now that's something different. The definition of piety towards God means that it is shown in the way you live, it's shown in the way of your worship and your behavior. Well, what does the way mean? The way is the course of actions. It is the decisions that you make. It is the methods of you doing what it is that you do. Your piety towards God or this area of godliness is displayed within your worship and your behavior. This past week at work, I was having various conversations. I don't know, it had to be God because I, I, it just it kept coming up. I have several different kind of folks in my office now. And one of the things that I'm observing is how they observe me. Now, most of them know I'm a minister, but they don't know exactly how to interact with me as a minister per se. Because they don't know if I'm going to come to, to work with my crosses and my collar and go in there and say, amen, praise the Lord, everyone, all these kind of things. They're not sure. Because most days when they see me, they see me talking pretty regular. They see me talking normal. They see me being conversational and showing, uh, hopefully, some levels of concern for them in their individual lives. Well, they think one thing is going to be a manifestation when in reality, another thing I'm displaying to them is showing the way that I do what I do, how that reflects the kingdom. I'm in displaying to them the decisions that I make are more based on the people that we are impacting and not based on the bottom line. This is the display of worship and behavior. I said to one of them this past week that came in uh, from out of town, uh, she was talking and she, she, she got to talking about certain scriptures and everything. I said, well, there's nothing wrong about talking about scriptures and all that kind of thing, except in this environment. What we usually do, because I can talk to her like this, is you need to integrate it so that it becomes a life. And so when you integrate the scriptures that it becomes a life and not something that you quote, then we can begin to see it through your actions and not through your mouth when you feel like being religious. We can determine where you are with God by what you do, the fruit that you manifest here in the office, and not by the fact that you know 20 scriptures and can quote them. How many scriptures do you live? We'll see that on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We'll see how many scriptures you quote when you come to church and we have in Bible trivia. Now, godliness is piety towards God. The next definition is this word, Holiness, holiness, which is long dresses, no makeup, no. <laughs> holiness is defined as consecrated, notice this, to 
God's service. Consecrated to God's service, which means conformed in all things to the will of God. Conform, be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. It is, there I use the term, separation to God. This is what holiness really is, separation to God. I use the terminology, it means to have a life that is in agreement with heaven is in agreement with the kingdom. It is agreement with God. It's consecrated to God's service. Look at this same scripture in 2 Peter verses, uh, 1, verse 6 out of the expanded version, the latter part. Notice it says, and to patience for, or perseverance, he says, at service for God. Devotion, piety, and godliness. So I submit to you, when he's saying holiness here, he's really talking about service or being consecrated to God's service. The last definition that we see also is this word devotion, which literally means dedicated. It means to sacrifice oneself. It means the act of consecrating or by vow. It means faithfulness. Now, why am I saying all of these things? Because we got to start looking at when you saying there are godly people, what does that actually mean? This means holiness, which means what? I am seeing a display of somebody that's working for God. It means piety towards God, which means what? I am seeing a display of someone that is worshiping God with their life, but is also displayed in their behavior. When we say godliness, we are saying, I am seeing someone that is clearly devoted to the will and the purpose of God. This is what it means for holiness. Dare I say, these other five things are in its proper seat when God says, I want you to add godliness. Now that you've got these things cycling in your life and they're working correctly, I want you to add this next area of now I want you to start serving the king. Now, one of the best examples that we see of service of the king is in, of course, the Christmas story. Look back, if you will, at Luke chapter number one. Luke chapter number one, one of the best examples of what it means to serve God is in the story of Christmas. Amen. Luke chapter number one, for the sake of, hold on just a sec, praise the Lord. Luke chapter number one. This is the story as we've read again during the midweek of Mary and how she received the word of the Lord. Verse 28 says, and the angel came to her and said, hail Mary, or hail thou art favored, highly favored of the Lord, uh, for the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And verse 29 says, and she saw him and she was troubled at the saying and cast <clears throat> In her mind, what manner of salutations this would be? Verse 30 says, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And 31 says, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and he shall be called, or, ye, or 
shall call his name Jesus. And then he talks about in regards to the lineage that Jesus will have and how he will sit on the throne of David in verse 34. So she asks the question at this point, how can this be? She says, verse 34, then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. So she's asking a question of tactics because of the fact she's like, look, I am a virgin. The Amplified literally says, I've had no intimacy with a man. She wants to know exactly how we're going to go about doing these things. And so we see the explanation in verse 35. And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Now notice he says, the power of the highest. The power of the highest. Well, that word power of the highest means the supreme overruler will overrule the natural and envelop you so that you can do a supernatural thing. And this is what happens every time you say yes to God, that God says, all right, I'm going to put my super on your natural, making you supernatural so that you can do what other folks can't do. Now, he says, verse 36, and behold, thy cousin has, she has also conceived the son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her. She was called barren. He says, all right, the power of the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you and you're going to be able to operate in the supernatural. You're going to give birth. And let me tell you something else. Your barren cousin who's old is also pregnant with the purposes of God. And then the angel concludes and he says, watch this verse 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Now she hears all of these things. The Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So she hears about Elizabeth. She hears that she's going to give birth to Jesus. She hears how it's going to happen. And notice her response to how she hears the word. She says, verse 38, And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. So the angel said, All right. She said, I'm the handmaid, which literally is translated again. I am the servant. I am the attendant. I am one that gives himself or herself holy to the will of another. So what are we displaying? I am, dare I say, someone that's godly, someone that's pious, someone that's holy, and someone that has a devotion towards God. When she says, behold, I'm the handmaid of the Lord, she says, behold, essentially, I am a godly woman. Put me in the service of the king. And from that day, to the day that Jesus is born in the manger, to the day that the wise men show up, every day of her life is a life lived by faith based on what she believes. Little by little, stepping into the, her destiny, which at the end of the day will take her way from her start point in Nazareth all the way up into Egypt and back again. And she becomes per, a different person on the journey of faith. She becomes a person that is in the service of the king. Now, I want you to notice this. Godliness has a value to it. Notice this over in 2nd or 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1st Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 8. Something I didn't set this morning. 
1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. Notice this. The Bible says that the King James Version of the Bible. For bodily exercise profiteth little. Now I've often joked and said I usually use that one for my, my trainer that, 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 that maybe I work out with. See, the Bible says for bodily exercise profit little, brother. <laughs> all this muscle membrane, all this stuff and everything. When last time you been to church? I, I will flip this one on the trainer in a heartbeat. Amen. He said, for body exercise profits little, but he said, notice this, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Why is godliness profitable unto all things? He says, having promise of the life that is now and the life which is to come. There's a reason why there's a value in living a godly life because it has current profits prophets of you living the promises of God through your life now and the life that is to come. The Amplified literally says, for physical training is of some value. But he says, godliness or spiritual training is of value in everything and in every way. Don't get me wrong now, we should work out. We should take care of our physical body. We should do everything that we can with the one body that God has given us. But having its proper perspective, that shouldn't be the only thing that we do. A lot of folks are going to be going back to the gym in January. A lot of folks are going to be working out in January. But how many people will be spiritually working out where, where it actually impacts all of their life? You are spirit, you are soul, and you're a body. So you should be concentrating on your body, developing that. You should be concentrating on your spirit life, developing that. But you also should be concentrating on your soul, which is your academic or your mental capacity as well. We should be reading books as well into the new year. Sidra. But he says, but God in his spiritual training is of value in everything and in every way since it holds promise for the present life and for the life to come. Notice this. Turn over, if you will, to 1 Timothy chapter number 6. Since you're over in 1 Timothy. The scripture indicates that godliness with contentment has some gain to it. Godliness with, con with contentment has gain. Notice this. He says, verse number 6. But godliness, as the Amplified, actually is the source of great gain when accompanied with contentment. Why is this the case? He says, that contentment which comes from a sense of inner confidence based on the sufficiency of God. Godliness, living right, doing right, having a devotion towards God with contentment. Well, the contentment has everything to do with what you believe about God. It is great gain. He says it's great gain or the source of great gain when you have godliness with contentment, which is from the sense or the inner confidence based on the sufficiency of God. I submit to you, when you don't have this inner confidence based on the sufficiency of God, it's hard for you to be godly. Because here you are trying to have a devotion, but you don't have the faith in this place. You're trying to have a piety towards God, but you don't really know God. And that is where the problem lies with a lot of Christians. Once again, you're getting out of the order. If you take the steps of faith, if you take it and you grow as he is intending you to grow, then you will naturally move into an area of patience, which is right before his definition of godliness. So when I move into patience, that's when I move into an area of contentment because I believe my God will, even though I don't see anything right now. And it is what allows me to operate in a life of godliness. 
And he says, when you mix these two together, it is the source of great gain. If you understand that, say amen. amen. All right, let's look at this here. <clears throat> let's look at these practical applications. There are certain things I should know in regards to godliness. And of course, I am missing or not saying any number of things that I will at a later time. But there are certain areas that we got to hit this morning. Let's look at the things I should know about godliness. Number one, godliness is devotion to the Father's will. Submission to the submission of your will to the Father or to the will of God. It is devotion to the Father's will. It is the picture of what Mary looks like. Mary could have easily said to Gabriel, look here, we got, I'm already engaged. I'm already patrolled to Joseph. We already were planning on the house we were going to live in. We already had this going on. Get away from me, Gabriel. I don't feel like it. You're going to change my whole life trajectory? But no, in fact, what Mary says, I'm the handmaid of the Lord. I'm your servant. In other words, I am committing or devoting myself to the will of the Father and not of myself. Godliness, therefore, is trusting God's heart for you. Number two, godliness is trusting God's heart for you. His love, his protection, and his provision for you. A few minutes ago, I was talking about the fact that a lot of times what happens in our lives is that we get so concentrated on what's happening in the natural that we forget what God said. And we allow little by little our mouths to start agreeing with what we see and start agreeing with what he said. When you let your mouth become an agreement with what God says, manifestation will speed up in your life. Godliness is saying, God, I trust your heart. I'm seeing all this other stuff. I'm seeing the contradiction, but I trust your heart for me because you didn't send me out here for failure. Anything that God assigns you to, victory is attached to it if you would just walk out the process to get to the victory that he spoke of. Godliness, watch this, number three, is active duty service for the kingdom. It is active duty service for the kingdom. It is active duty service for the kingdom. It is what it means to be a disciple. I am actively following God and I'm submitting and laying down my entirety of my life. Once again, Mary says, all right, be it unto me according to thy word. She goes to Elizabeth. The next thing that happens is she sees Elizabeth, Elizabeth give birth to a miracle. And then she goes home and then she's got to deal with this new issue of now she has this baby bump and she has to tell her patrol that she ain't been sleeping around. Her whole life trajectory changes once again because now she has to defend something where she's not really responsible other than saying, be it unto me according to that word. You ever been in a situation where now, now you feel like you got to defend something? You're trying to defend something and you don't know how to defend something. You know it's of God, but you don't know how to defend it. I submit to you that Mary teaches us something because the Bible doesn't ever say to us that she goes over to Joseph and tries to defend herself. And that's what a lot of Christians are doing, trying to go out there and try to defend themselves before man. What she did is she just stayed in the place of victory and she allowed God to fight the battle for her. 
God was the one that said, all right, don't you even worry about Mary because you decided to stay in the position of victory. I'm going to talk to Joseph in secret. And there are a lot of people that have money that's attached to your destiny that God is secretly talking to that you don't know anything about. But God says, if you will stay in victory, one day the manifestation of everything that he told you, you'll see it. And you'll see his hands been on your life the entire Notice this. Number four, godliness is to define or the, is to identify with God. Godliness, therefore, is to identify with God. It is the heart of ambassadorship. What does it mean to identify with something? It means to feel that you can understand and share someone's heart. It means you're connected, dare I say, to the heart of God. I identify with the heart of God. Because I'm godly. I'm in the service of the king. And when I'm in the service of the king, it's not my will, it's thine will be done. God, what's your heart for why I'm at this organization? God, what's your heart for my family? God, what's your heart for my community? God, I want to identify with you and not my own agenda. When we say to identify, it means also to connect with a group or opinion, which means I'm connecting with the mind of God. What do you want to see done here, God? What are you interested in? What's in your mind concerning these people that you have associated me with? It means to think that something is the same or something else is as closely related. What does that mean? To identify means to only do and say what God has instructed you to do and say. I said a second ago, Mary didn't go out trying to defend herself. She stayed in that secret place and allowed God to defend her to Joseph. Notice this, Jesus is our example of godliness. He is our example of ambassadorship. Godliness is the place where independence, number five, dies. Godliness is the place where independence dies. John chapter five and verse 30, I have amplify. Watch this as we close. The scripture says, I can only do, I can do, he says, I can do nothing on my own initiative or authority. Just as I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just as fair, as righteous, as unbiased. Why is Jesus able to say this? He says, because I do not seek my own will, but only the will of him who sent me. Godliness is the place where your independence dies. Mary said, be it unto me according to thy word, I'm the handmaid of the Lord. That was the day that everything that she thought was gonna happen had to die and submit to the will of God. That's what makes you godly. It is the place where your independence, what is independence? Independence, there I say, is connected to this word commitment. Commitment. Because let's look at this. The opposite of the word commitment is independence. I can't be committed to this and still maintain my freedom. Because if I'm going to be committed to that, it's going to restrict some of the things I would normally do. So I lose an area of independence because I am committed to this. What is that? Devotion. The opposite of a commitment is indifference. I don't care. Don't matter to me what happened. Don't matter to me what happened at the church. Don't matter to me what God's doing in the earth because you're not really committed. 
Insubordination is the opposite of commitment. And we got a lot of insubordinate Christians. The king said, I want you to go to this job. You said, well, Lord, Lord, what are you talking about that job? That ain't where I want to go. You're an insubordinate servant. So you're no longer a godly Christian because you're no longer an active duty saint. And there are a lot of people because, once again, I'm trying to unreligiousize this word godly so we can see it. To be godly means I'm obedient. To be godly means I'm committed. To be godly means I am holy or my life is in agreement with God. When I am not these things, I am no longer godly. Let's look back once again. Second Peter, let's look back. Flip back. Second Peter chapter 1. So we make a wonderful circle. Second Peter chapter 1. Let's look at verse number one, uh, verse number two. Look at how it begins. It says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you, he says, through knowledge. The grace of God, the peace of God is multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice he says, verse three, according as his divine power has given un or given all things that pertain to life, and godliness. So the king says, grace and peace is multiplied unto you through knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. The grace of God, his unmerited favor is ministered in your life through a knowledge of God. The peace of God is ministered to your life through the knowledge of God. He says, according as his divine power, he's giving you everything that you need to live life. And he says, I've given you everything. I'm supplying everything that you need to live a godly life. Now, it's one thing if he's asking me to be godly and he don't give me what I need. You want me to have a piety towards you? You want me to be holy? You want me to have a devotion? And how am I supposed to do it? He says, I'm going to give this to you. How? Through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. The more information you get, the more devotion you can have. Notice what he did for Mary. Mary says, how is this going to be? What's the tactics? The next thing that we see Gabriel doing is giving her knowledge. Her knowledge now has the ability for her to set her faith on it so that she can be a godly woman. The problem with a lot of Christians, again, you ain't got enough knowledge, and because you don't have enough knowledge, you can't be a godly person. You can't be a pious or devoted person because that comes through knowledge. So you got to get in the place where God wants you to be so that you can grow the way he wants you to grow. Let's conclude here. Second Peter chapter number five. Where are we going with this, Reverend? What is the point of all of this that we need to understand? Because the series that we've been talking about is a kingdom formula for success. So second Corinthians chapter five and verse 20. Watch this. The scripture says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. Doesn't that just sound like godliness, which is service for Christ? We are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you. Notice he says, by us. We pray you in Christ's stead that ye be reconciled to God. And that's the ministry that God has given every single one of us. He wants to use your light in dark spaces. 
He wants you to be an ambassador. Well, what is an ambassador? An ambassador is defined as, and notice this, an accredited diplomat. Well, what accreditates me? Going through the process of growth and allowing God to cultivate fruit on the inside of me so that he says, all right, I am certifying you as a diplomat unto this business. I'm certifying you as a diplomat unto this organization. I'm certifying you as my ambassador of light in darkened spaces. Sent by, notice this, the state, by a state and is permanent as its permanent representative in a foreign country. A lot of Christians are only looking to escape hell and they're missing their purpose. You are to get born again. Once you get born again, heaven is not the issue. You're going to get there when you die. What did God want you to do here on the earth? What is my kingdom assignment? What places are, is God setting me up to be an ambassador in? That's the reason why, once again, this church is called the training center. Because that's what we're doing. Training to be used by God in dark spaces. Training to be used by God in the places where he sets our feet. Training to have God say, all right, I can put them there because they will live the scripture and not just simply quote them. I'm putting them in environments that are darkened, environments where people do not know my light because I want to shine my light through their life. But that only happens when you become godly and that means you're submitting your will for his so that they can see him and stop seeing you. When you're acting in your flesh, they see you. But when you're acting in the realm of the spirit and following the dictates of heaven, heaven is able to get the glory through your life. And that is the goal. Let's pray. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus, God, we bless you that you think enough of us to train us. God, that you think enough of us that you would use us. That you think enough of our capacity that you would spend the time just fooling with us. God, we want to be your handmaids. We want to be your servants, God. We want to be godly Christians and not just church folk. So this morning afresh, God, we just yield ourselves to you. Your will, not ours. Your determinations are not ours. And Father, for everyone that will say yes, Father, I thank you that you would indeed, that your provision will begin to be manifest in their lives. That you would show them your hand because they have taken on your hearts. So we give you praise, Lord, that the best is yet ahead. Because every day, not just Sunday, God, we lay down our lives before you to say, Lord, your will and not ours. Your agenda, not ours. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. I know I've absolutely thrown everybody off in that. We'll fix that after a while. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to get into that in January. Praise the Lord. We talk about prayer. 
Hallelujah. Glory to God. Turn with me, if you will. It's giving time. Let's look, if you will, in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter number four, once again. Philippians chapter four. Paul is really saying by inspiration of the Spirit of God some things that he learned. Chapter four, he begins in verse six, he says, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. He says, you need to pray about everything. And he says, before you start taking your request to everybody in every situation, in every circumstance, you need to let your request be made known unto God. Don't have anxiety. Be careful means literally have no anxiety about nothing. But make sure you let God know what's going on. He says, and when you exchange, you request this, you exchange worry, he says, I will drop my peace and the peace of God, which by all understanding, will keep your hearts and your mind through Christ Jesus. And then he talks about the things that we need to think on. And in verse 11, he says, I don't speak in respect to want. He says, but I've learned in whatever state I am in therewith to be content. He says, I learned in the process of doing this, of exchanging my worries for his peace. For exchanging and making sure God knows my request and walking away and say, God, you got it, then I ain't going to worry about it no more. He says, I've learned how to be content. He says, I know how to be a base and I know how to abound. Verse 12. In everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He says, the reason why I can be content is because I am living from the inside out and not from the outside in. And then he concludes this area, latter part in verse number 19. He says, but my God. He says, I told you about all these things. I've told you about how to cast your cares. I've told you about how to be content, how to have right and wrong thinking in your life. He says, and I want to come, I want to conclude this by saying, but my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And I want to publicly repent this morning. Because even I have gotten into to areas where I've been looking at everything natural. And starting to allow that to get on the inside of me. You look at the natural bills. You look at the natural stuff. And if you're not careful, you will start agreeing with the devil when he says you ain't nothing but a failure. Ain't nothing going to happen. This is never going to manifest. And if you're not careful, do you let that stuff start coming out of your mouth? You got to let your mouth agree with what God says, who always calls us you to triumph in Christ Jesus. And you need to agree with what he said. My God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. As a godly citizen of the kingdom of God, as an ambassador, you need to make your demands on the supply of the kingdom. How do I do so? By doing what he's told me to do. Where he's sowing where he tells me to sow. Placing my seed in good ground allows for God to put me in position for the harvest to be made manifest in my life. And learning how to not be moved by all of the other stuff on the outside, but be moved only by what he said over what you see. 
Now, as a church ministry, I, I've been compelled to, to tell you all what the needs, where all of your seeds and everything go, how we believe as far as this ministry is concerned. As far as this ministry, I haven't broke this down quite like this in a while. The lease of this building on this side is 875. On the other side is about 575, which gives us a total of about 1450. The lights in this building cost about $200 a month. The internet in this building, to which we allow for streaming and everything, costs about $98, which brings us up to about $1748. The storage for this building, <clears throat> for um, our church equipment and, and things that we're not using at this time, but we have available to us, costs about $238, which brings us up to $1,900. And of course, this time of the year, once you add in heat and some other miscellaneous items, that brings us up to $2,000. So the working budget of this ministry every month is about $2,000. And so we just want you to set yourself in agreement where this ministry is concerned that we believe that all the needs of this ministry are met we believe that the budgets are met above and beyond, that we have plenty more to put in store. That's why I bring this up. And whatever God lays on you as your part in order to sow for the ministry to keep moving forward, we just thank you for your obedience to the Spirit of God. We know that this is good ground. Amen? So, if you are sowing by way of tithes and offering, if you're sowing by way of online, there are three ways that you can sow, of course. You can sow by way of our online giving, which is www. I know I always say too many W's. .thetrainingcenter-church.org. You can sow by way of our cash app, which is dollar sign one TTC. And of course, you can sow by way of our P.O. Box, which is P.O. Box 2358 Gastonia, North Carolina, zip code 28053. And of course, you can sow live and in the house. And we thank God for all of those that have sown in these individual ways and those also that sow live and in the house. We thank God that the needs of this ministry are met above and beyond the needs of the ministry. We have plenty more to put in store. So as you are sowing, we want to set ourselves in agreement with your seed sown. Let us do so at this time, congregation. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for giving us seed to sow. We thank you, Lord, that you are the one that causes us to prosper. You are the one that causes us to have increase in wealth. You are the one that gave us the power to get wealth. And so, Lord, as we bring the tithes and we bring the offerings to you, we thank you, Lord, that the devourer is rebuked for our sakes. We thank you, Lord, that we are living under an open heaven in which the blessing of God is pouring out upon us in which there's not room enough to receive. We thank you, Lord, because we are cheerful, prompt to do it givers. We thank you, Lord, that we walk in your favor, that you're able to make all grace abound towards us because we are these cheerful, prompt to do it givers. So, Father, I set myself in agreement with every seed that's sown into this ministry. And I pray, Lord, that that seed grows in the name of Jesus. That you would indeed multiply the seeds to the sower. And we give you praise that we believe that we receive by faith the harvest of our seed sown. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone did say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, unless you need personal prayer or ministry, you may be dismissed. Merry Christmas. Praise the Lord. Hello, I'm Lady Aisha W. Smith. Thank you for joining us today. We are the Training Center Church located here in Gastonia, North Carolina. 
at 1314 West 2nd Avenue, Suite B. If you're joining us and this is your first time, we'd like to take this time to say thank you. If you're new to our area or if you're looking for a church home, we currently have our services on Thursday evening at 645 and 7 p.m. for Bible study and Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. We'd like to invite you and your family and even a friend to join us live here in person where we have worship every Sunday. Thank you for joining us. Give thanks and be blessed. I'm Lady Aisha W. Smith. On behalf of our pastor, Pastor A.C. Smith, we love you and thank you so very much.